I'm delighted to welcome a new supporting sponsor to the local government news roundup family. It's Ventio, a leading essential infrastructure services provider, redefining service excellence for communities across Australia and New Zealand. Ventio is operating at over 400 sites and with a large and diverse workforce of over 35,000. They specialise in the long-term operation, maintenance and management of critical public and private assets and infrastructure across a broad range of industry segments, including defence and social infrastructure, infrastructure services, telecommunications and transport. For local government, Ventia specialises in the end-to-end delivery of open space management, soft and hard facilities management, street cleansing, minor capital works and much more. Ventia brings capability in whole-of-life asset management and robust use of data for better decision-making for their clients. Ventia, making infrastructure work sustainably for our communities. Head to ventia.com to find out more. Hello, it's Chris Eddy here coming to you from the land of the Wadawurrung people with the latest from the Local Government News Roundup. And on the podcast today, council concerns over a new state government agreement with Indigenous groups. Yarra Rangers Shire Council in court and fined over powerline clearance issues. A council call to stop the sale of state government-owned land. Tasmania's Dorset Council suspended and its mayor reprimanded in a code of conduct matter. Pressure mounts on a New South Wales MP to give up his dual role as a councillor. An extraordinary attack on a New South Wales mayor in state parliament. And a US mayor caught up in alleged presidential election voter fraud. Just some of the local government stories making news this week. Let's round them up now. Thank you for joining me for the podcast today, brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, and by Snap, Send, Solve, which is excited this week to announce their first Oracle integration with Queensland's Ipswich City Council. Let's get into the Victorian Roundup. Details have emerged this week of an agreement between the state government and Indigenous groups that will reportedly sideline 10 Victorian councils from certain decisions. The exclusive report from news.com.au says the agreement proposes to give the groups powers to rename roads, bridges and public spaces, to co-manage waterways and to provide preferential access to council procurement contracts and jobs. The affected councils are Mildura, West Wimmera, Northern Grampians, Southern Grampians, Bulloak, Hindmarsh, Pyrenees, Yarriambiac, Horsham and Ararat. The mayors of West Wimmera, Northern Grampians and Bulloak are among those to have raised concerns about how their councils have not been included in any of the negotiations for the agreement which was signed last year, but details of which have only emerged in recent weeks. The government says the deal doesn't impact current laws and regulations, but rather presents an aspirational list of matters that traditional owners would like to work on with councils. You can read the exclusive report from news.com.au from the link in the show notes. A Supreme Court challenge to Yarra Rangers Shire Council's consideration of an urban design framework has been heard, with the judge's decision yet to be released. The Age reports on the case brought by Darren Dixon, claiming a lack of consultation on the document when the council closed its public gallery earlier this year and moved its meetings online. 
A council officer told the court of chaotic scenes in the council chamber with gallery members shouting insults and accusations and creating an environment described as threatening and unsafe. The council has since reopened its public gallery and is due to vote on the urban design framework next month. There's further reporting from The Age today on the range of measures taken by councils to deal with meeting disruptions, including duress alarms, ticketed meetings and increased use of security guards. The story looks at the obligations on CEOs to protect staff and councillors, balanced against the risk that some councillors see that safety measures could stifle civic engagement. And in other Yarra Rangers news, the council has been fined almost $37,000 by Energy Safe Victoria for failing to keep trees clear of power lines. It's the most a council has been fined since ESV was granted powers to issue fines in June last year. Wet weather leading to significant regrowth has been given as the reason for the misjudgment of the height of the trees. Glen Ira City Council has called on the state government to stop the planned sale of 44 government-owned sites in its municipality. The council says the sites should be repurposed to provide social and affordable housing amid an escalating crisis in the city. It is encouraging the community to get behind its push for collaboration with the government to address an estimated shortage of nearly 6,500 dwellings, a number that is tipped to increase by nearly half again over the next 13 years if no action is taken. A decision by Ballarat City Council to allow a new tailings dam at Mount Clear is being challenged at VCAT. The council decision to allow the dam was not unanimous and was approved with conditions including a dust management plan and an amended human health risk assessment. However, according to a report from radio station 3BA, the Tailings Dam Community Action Group is objecting to the dam, which it says will store arsenic and heavy metals across the road from housing, a primary school and an aged care facility. A special charge scheme to fund road sealing in Port Arlington has not gone down well with some ratepayers. The Geelong Advertiser reports that property owners in seven streets have been sent bills ranging from $4,000 to $30,000 for their share of the cost of the road upgrades. The council says it's putting in 25% of the cost, while a localised group of property owners who will benefit from the works will be charged for the remaining costs. Acting Director of City Infrastructure David Greaves told the advertiser that rising construction prices had led to significant increases above initial estimates of around $10,000 per property. Briefly, a further countback for Glen Eldshire Council will be held after the successful candidate in a countback held this week did not return a written declaration stating they're still qualified to be a councillor within the required time limit. A new countback will be held on Monday afternoon in a second attempt to fill the vacancy created by the resignation of former Mayor Anita Rank. There'll also be a countback on Wednesday morning to fill a vacancy on Indigo Shire Council after the recent resignation of Larry Goldsworthy. New nature strip guidelines have gone out for consultation in the city of Whittlesea. The council says the new guidelines attempt to strike a balance between greenery on nature strips and the safety of road users and pedestrians. Residents will be able to plant shrubs and edible crops from the 1st of October if the new rules are approved. And the first EV charging station in Golden Plains Shire has opened at Meredith outside the local sharing shed. The fast charging unit is conveniently located between Ballarat and Geelong and it was funded under the state government's Destination Charging Across Victoria program. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy.
Let's round up some national stories now and we're heading into Tasmania firstly where the councillors at Dorset Council have been suspended from office that took effect at 11am on Wednesday morning. Local Government Minister Nick Street enacted the suspension for the duration of a Board of Inquiries investigation of allegations of statutory non-compliance and governance failings. The Board of Inquiry was appointed last week following initial inquiries by the Director of Local Government and it's expected to take around seven months to complete its task. Former Burnie General Manager Andrew Wardlaw has been appointed as Commissioner for the duration of the inquiry. In further Dorset news, reports have emerged this weekend of a Code of Conduct panel finding against the Mayor Greg Howard for letters written about a former councillor. The Launceston Examiner reports that a panel found the Mayor went beyond the bounds of reasonable debate and demonstrated a personal bias against the complainant. Mr Howard said the investigation infringed his free speech rights and that he would not offer an apology under any circumstances. Clarence City Council is set to consider its submission to the Local Government Board Review's Future of Local Government Stage 2 Interim Report at its upcoming meeting. The submission, which was made public within the Council's agenda, highlights the Council's primary concern for the long-term sustainability of any amalgamation scenario. The Council firmly believes that any amalgamation must be sustainable through three key considerations, population, land area and assets. While each scenario presents its own opportunities and challenges, the Council's analysis suggests that maintaining the status quo is the best outcome for the community at this time. Meanwhile, the Burnie Advocate reports on a different view at West Coast Council, which has argued for a new Western Tasmanian Council taking in the key tourism drawcard of Cradle Mountain, which currently sits in Kentish Council. West Coast Council's submission to the Local Government Review argues the majority of mining areas and the Wilderness World Heritage Area should also come under the proposed new larger council. It also puts forward an argument for new funding arrangements for the infrastructure needs of the area's remote communities. In New South Wales, and Northern Beaches Council is putting pressure on its former Mayor Michael Regan to give up his seat on the council since being elected to state parliament. It wants the state government to change the rules so that a councillor elected to another level of government would be immediately disqualified from concurrently holding a councillor position. The Daily Telegraph reports that the council has passed a motion to that effect over concerns from some councillors that Councillor Regan cannot devote sufficient time to civic duties and is receiving two salaries from the public purse. So far, Councillor Regan is not stepping aside and says he's still 110% committed to the role. A state MP has launched an extraordinary attack in Parliament on the Mayor of Shell Harbour City Council. MP Anna Watson has criticised a council-led joint venture project on the Shell Cove waterfront where some newly built homes have suffered waterproofing and structural defects. According to the Daily Telegraph, she's used recent comments by Mayor Chris Homer about active transport to suggest that he's not up to the job and called on Deputy Mayor Kelly Marsh to take over as soon as possible. Mayor Homer described the MP's comments as deceitful and Machiavellian and suggested she would be better informed if she communicated with the council. Hawkesbury and the Hillshire councils have moved to dispel reports of a closure of the Lower Portland Ferry Service. The service is co-funded by the two councils and the agreement with the operator has been extended through September 2024. 
but some media reports this week suggested the service could close as early as this weekend, despite ongoing contractual discussions. Hawkesbury Mayor Sarah McMahon said the reports caused unnecessary alarm, which was disappointing. The councils are continuing discussions with the New South Wales government about a longer-term funding arrangement, seeking the same funding deal that applies to other ferry services on the Hawkesbury River. Now to Western Australia, and the city of Stirling has looked within for its next CEO. Director of Planning and Development Stephen Roddick will formally assume the position in January, allowing for a handover period with outgoing CEO Stuart Jardine, who's been in the role for 16 years. Mr Jardine announced his plans to step down in March this year. The Mayor of the City of Vincent, Emma Cole, has announced she'll not be seeking re-election when voters go to the polls in October. Mayor Cole has held the position for six and a half years. Perth Now reports that two councillors, Ron Alexander and Suzanne Warner, have already indicated that they will contest the mayoral election. Nominations open at the end of this month, with election day set for the 21st of October. And while in the city of Vincent, it's planning to implement 40 kilometre per hour speed limits on all of its local roads after a trial on around 40% of its roads was made permanent. The speed limits will apply to residential streets and not main streets. A community survey last year showed a majority of residents supported a reduction of speed limits in residential streets. And in South Australia, cemeteries are for humans only, so says a South Australian council after an increase in requests for pets to be buried with their owners. ABC Riverland has the story from Loxton Wakery Council, which has felt the need to set a clear policy in relation to its cemeteries. The council says it wants to avoid any confusion about any bones that may be dug up in future. However, a pathology professor from the University of Adelaide says the decision is bizarre and heartless and the commingling of bones should not be an issue. A council spokesperson said the policy position was in line with that of other council's policies. Here are your national briefs. Gundawindi Mayor Lawrence Springberg has welcomed a Queensland Government review of regulations for major renewable energy projects. This follows approval of a $2 billion wind farm project that bypassed consultation with the local council and community. Mayor Springberg said he would actively collaborate with local government colleagues and the state to address the need for better community outcomes for major infrastructure projects. Peak Body LG New South Wales has appointed its new Chief Executive. David Reynolds joins the Peak Body after five years as Group Manager Shire Strategy at the Hills Shire. He was previously the Director of Customer and Corporate Strategy at Camden Council. And this year's Local Government Week Awards were handed out at an event on Thursday night with 14 city and regional councils sharing in the accolades. Five councils took home two awards each, those being Singleton, Gunnedah, Penrith, Windjacarabi and Hawkesbury. And there's sad news to report this weekend with the sudden passing of City of Wanneroo Councillor Chris Baker. Councillor Baker was elected to the Western Australian Council's North Ward in 2019. He previously served on Joondalup Council from 2001 to 2004 and was the member for Joondalup in State Parliament from 1996 to 2001. He was 65. Vale, Chris Baker. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. 
Our global journey today starts in the US, where Boston Mayor Michelle Wu has signed an executive order banning the use of fossil fuels in the construction and renovation of city-owned buildings. The order is part of the mayor's larger effort to implement a similar ban on new residential buildings. The goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and improve air quality by eliminating the use of coal, oil and natural gas in heating, cooling, hot water and cooking operations. The order exempts projects that are currently in the procurement, design or construction phase but will apply to future capital projects. The move has drawn criticism from real estate groups due to potential cost implications and strain on the electrical supply capacity. Mayor Wu is also planning to ban fossil fuels in new residential building projects throughout Boston and is seeking approval for a state pilot project that would allow the banning of gas hookups in new buildings. The Mayor's office says municipal emissions constitute 2.3% of all Boston's carbon emissions and more than 70% of the city's emissions are from buildings. You can read more at techexplore.com. A mayor in the U.S. state of Michigan has been charged in an alleged fake elector scheme related to the 2020 presidential election. Kent Vanderwood, a longtime council member at the city of Wyoming in Michigan, that's not at all confusing, was elected mayor last August and has been named as one of 16 defendants charged with forgery and election law forgery offences. His lawyer told MLive.com that Mayor Vanderwood would not resign or recuse himself while the legal process takes its course and that he expects the mayor to be fully vindicated. Now to the UK and the culture at a British council has been called out by the government with the issue this week of a best value notice. Burnmouth, Christchurch and Poole Council is only the third local authority to receive such a notice. In a letter to the council's chief executive, concerns were raised about poor relationships between councillors and officers, an unrealistic financial plan, governance concerns with the council entity and the need for development and support for the council's leadership team. The issues have arisen after an external assurance review conducted by an independent local government expert. That review has resulted in a number of recommendations, including the need for a reset of the culture and relationships. The best value notice will remain in place for 12 months. From Kent comes a story of how insults and threats have kept planning officers from attending committee meetings where applications for new developments are considered. Members of the committee have complained about the absence of Kent County Council officers at meetings and they've received a report as to why this is occurring. Planning applications for new developments in Kent are handled at the borough and district council level with the highways department providing assessments on the potential impact on local roads. The committee has been told that highways officers do not routinely attend planning meetings at this level due to past instances of being insulted, bullied and threatened when they did not support applications opposed by local members or the public. More on that story from the Isle of Thanet News. And an English council has been criticised for its disregard of record-keeping recommendations after 750 blank birth, death and marriage certificates went missing. Herefordshire Council didn't report the missing certificates for four months, leading to an inspection which made 17 improvement recommendations. Some months later, only three of those recommendations have been acted on and the certificates were only found after a new manager took over and assistance was brought in from another council. Authorities say it's impossible to know if any fraudulent activity had taken place. The council told the BBC that it was improving its processes and recognised there was further work to be done. 
And we finish our global journey today in a small town in France. The town is called Beziers, and the mayor there is taking action to address the issue of dog poop on the streets. Mayor Robert Menard has implemented a policy requiring dogs that walk on the main streets to have their DNA on file with the local government and to carry dog passports. If dog poop is found, the city can test it to determine which dog is responsible and the owner will be required to pay for the clean-up. Similar policies have been implemented in other cities such as Tel Aviv in Israel and Valencia, Spain, with the aim of tackling the issue of dog faeces in public spaces. To incentivise dog owners, the city plans to organise free DNA tests for dogs in September. Menard first proposed the idea of genetic testing for dogs back in 2016, but it was initially rejected by a court due to concerns about personal liberties. I've toyed with a few puns to finish on after that story, but I'll spare you those. We'll just put this episode on the leash for now. That's your roundup for the 5th of August 2023, brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with support from Snap Send Solve. For more listening, check out our bonus episode with the Mayor of the City of Stirling about that council's use of AI technology and the arrival later this year of Australia's first trackless tram. And check out VLGA Connect in your podcast app for more from TGU and the Local Leaders series, plus the special episode looking at the Operation Sandon report. Head to lgnewsroundup.com for more details on the stories we've referenced today and to learn how you can support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. Thank you so much to those who've come on board as subscribers thus far. The Local Government News Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'll have more local government news for you in our next edition coming on Wednesday. Until then, thanks for listening and bye for now. Local Government News Roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner.